Welcome to the Two Rivers Cafe podcast, a little place in town that's great for music and conversation and has a pleasing 4.5 circles out of 5 on TripAdvisor. I'm your host, Andrew Fisher. I am a composer and lyricist, and collaboration has always been a really enjoyable part of my professional life. So, in this podcast, I talk to a brilliant mix of talented people and then work with them to create a brand new piece that we'll unveil towards the end of the episode. Will it always work? Let's find out. Hello there, welcome everybody. I'm delighted to be joined today by the hugely talented jazz pianist, composer and multi-instrumentalist Jay Fashol Luke. He's performed all over Europe at festivals, including Montreux, Vienne, North Sea and Vienna Jazz Festivals, and in the UK at Glastonbury, Festival, Boomtown, Shambhala and the Isle of Wight Festivals, as well as many other public performances and private engagements. In his time, Jay has accompanied members of Jurassic 5, Sugar Hill Gang, Tomorrow's Warriors and All Saints. He's played at the Millennium Dome in its opening year. He's also appeared at Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club and performed live at BBC Two's Later with Jules Holland. Most recently, he's been working with chart-topping UK vocalist Alexandra Burke and TV sensation Talia Storm. Let's have a quick listen to Jay playing. This is an improvisation on When the Saints Come Marching In. Jay, so good to have you on the show. How are you? Very good, thanks. Thanks for having me. First question I'd like to ask Jay, and this comes out of being really impressed by the range of styles and people you've worked with. Do you enjoy playing across different musical genres? Um, Yes, I do. Uh, It's something that kind of attracted me to the music industry in a way. Um, There's just so many different parts of the music industry to be involved in. And even within the medium of performance, there's so many different types of work that you can do. So, yeah, I've really tried to make make a point of striving to be eligible for as many different types of work as possible. Does it make a big difference in terms of how you play? I'm, I'm assuming between jazz and other non-jazz genres, but how you prepare as well. Do you think differently going into a different sort of gig? Yes, absolutely. And uh, it's something that it's something that can be a help or a hindrance, I've found. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I play a lot of jazz and improvised music and uh, tend to write in this way as well, when I'm doing work that requires a different approach, I really have to sort of make an effort to reduce the jazz that comes naturally because I do it so much and stick to what's required from the brief. So, yeah, it does, I, I do find that, to be a bit of a test sometimes. But in other cases, sometimes um, clients and other musicians really like the idea of having someone who has a jazz mindset dealing with their work. 
So I might work for someone who isn't uh, necessarily a jazz musician like Talia Storm, for example, who doesn't write jazz, but she likes having jazz musicians play her music because of the sound that it brings. Yeah, so I've kind of made that my, not USP, but I guess uh, a feature of, you know, what, what you get when, <laughs> when you ask me to come along. So Jay... As you know, with this podcast, we ask each guest to pick one of three possible ideas, words or phrases, to act as a springboard for our creative collaboration. This week, the three ideas we'd like to offer you are summer, evening, or yesterday. Which one of those grabs you? Summer. What, what appeals to you about that idea? Well, summer, for me, my birthday's in the summer. and it's the time of, for me, where I feel like the, the new year starts in a way, you know, I start a new year of my life. There's a lot for me to look forward to in terms of the type of work I'm doing. Festivals and tours, most of the European tours I've done have been during the summer. So for me, it's, uh, I associate it with lots of things to look forward to. Are things like the change in weather on your mind or the increase in light, are they are they sort of factors here? Um, definitely, yeah. My mood's quite affected by the amount of daylight, so I'm, I'm a lot chirpier throughout the summer than I am throughout the winter. You're in good company. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is, uh, yeah, not just for reasons of, you know, um, what I'm doing work-wise, but, yeah, just generally it is quite... Uh, have quite sort of positive feelings towards it. So if you're not yet familiar with the process of this show, Jay is going to write some musical material around the word summer and then send it to me, which I will then use in my part of the collaboration. So Jay, I'm really excited to see what you come up with. So let's chat again in a couple of days. Thank you. Thanks very much. Well, it's a few days later and Jay's back with us. Before we talk about our collaboration, I'd like to ask you about your relationship with creativity. I've, I guess I've always felt creative in a way um, from my earliest memories really were, would be just imagining situations, stories, um, ideas, scenarios, um, I'd often like, I remember like just sort of walking, um, around with my mum when I was young or on the bus or whatever, um, just looking at different people, strangers and, and imagining their stories, what, what they're on the bus for, where they're going, what they're doing, what their name is, you know, I always yeah, yeah. was just making things up. Um, I, I, I don't think it's a, something I've ever been able to turn off. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and musically, did you did you start lessons young, or, or did, did you come? To, when, when did you come to that? I think yeah, I think music kind of gave me an outlet for that, really. And I tried a few instruments when I was younger. I started off on cello, right? Um, moved on to saxophone, and then. I started singing around that time. This was so I started off on cello when I was about seven and then saxophone the following year. And it was when I was 10 I started, started the piano. And within three months, I'd made more progress than I'd made on everything else 
in like three years. So I stopped. I stopped the other things and focused on that. When was it that you first discovered jazz? That came pretty soon afterwards. Yeah, I remember. I think it was my eleventh birthday, eleventh or twelfth. I got a CD player from my mum and a five-pound MVC voucher from my aunt. That's the music video centre. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was great. And I went to the local music video centre and I went to the four ninety-nine bargain bin with my voucher and I rooted around for something that looked kind of cool. And I hit the jackpot with an album called Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. <laughs> what I want to start with. Yeah, wow. it looked quite cool. Uh, the guy on the front looked quite cool and it had two different types of saxophone on it. I looked at the back and I was like, oh, there's two different types of saxophone, which although I had played saxophone for two years, I wasn't aware of this at that point. So I thought, I'll get this and see what it's like. And that really just changed everything for me. I just obsessively went and looked for anything that had any of the names of any right. of the people on it. Um, and I still do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was sort of an introduction very early on to like Bill Evans and Campbell yeah. Adderley, you know, and, um, you know, all the, all the guys on the album and um, Coltrane. I suppose I listened to that over and over and over for a while before I started looking for any more. When I when I went to get another CD, I was like, I want something else that these guys have done. But you know how jazz is, you know, everyone works with everyone. Yeah. So from there, especially Miles Davis, everyone works with someone who's worked with Miles Davis. Six degrees of Miles. Genealogy, six degrees of Miles, yeah. Seven steps of Miles. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it just kind of expanded and now... Well, I ended up with about 1,200 jazz CDs. <laughs> wow, incredible. Um, so do you find ideas come easily to you? Yeah, there's always music in my head and sometimes recognise it as something I haven't heard before. Usually quite simple things, something that's in mm. the speed or the rhythm that I'm walking in, you know, will just start in my head. But when I actually sit down to write, I tend to start more with uh, chords. I'll try and find an interesting shape for a chord uh, or an interesting voicing that sounds pleasing or the kind of attitude that I'm looking for to start. When, when you sit at the piano, do you look at your fingers? Sometimes. I often improvise as a warm-up and I don't usually look when I'm warming up, when I'm just improvising. When I'm writing, I do. And do you, do you consciously try and avoid familiar patterns or do you consciously try and use them? I know I can sometimes very thoughtlessly just play something yes. that's there and it takes a little bit of effort not to, to try and then find something that's a different way of saying E-flat, for example. Or Yeah, that's a constant struggle for me. Even playing, even playing live, even when I'm improvising live, I constantly will hear a phrase that's not the idea I had it's what my fingers are used to playing. Yeah. And by the time that's happened, it's too late. It's time for the next phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I totally the same. I know what you mean. Yeah. And so it requires a real discipline, a real sort of lethal focus to shut out the noise and the instinct to play the thing that, that your hands want to do and to say, no, no, I'm going to force you to play what's in my head. It's yeah. And I feel like I have that choice when I'm practicing or writing as opposed to performing, because when you're performing, it's like 
whatever happens, happens. If you play a phrase that you've played a million times before, it's too late to do anything about it. But when I'm when I'm writing, I can consciously avoid uh, harmonic movements that I've written in another piece. You know, I might be doing something in a different key and be like, oh, I quite like this. Mm. Maybe I'll work on that. And then I'll think, actually, no, I know what that is. That's from that other tune I wrote four years ago. You know, and then I have the choice to go to reject it and try something else. Um, and it can be from a sort of level of harmonic sequences to a melodic phrase or even like a voicing, like the placement of uh, the notes and how you voice a note. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I might decide that a certain voicing sounds too much like something else or like it's trying to say something that I'm not trying to say. So I might change the notes around um, to give it more of the character that I had in mind. Yeah, and that's something you have the luxury of when you're when you're writing, I suppose. Mm. I was going to ask you about that. I mean, how do you find new things? Do you, do you when you compose? Do you compose with paper and pen in front of you, or do you try and play something until it's sort of formed and then commit that? Yeah, I'll play around with something until it sounds like it's going in a direction I like. I will try out ideas over it, reject them, and keep trying ideas. I find I have a lot of ideas um, compared to a lot of people, but I don't necessarily have more good ideas than other people. So I need to sift through all the mediocre ideas, get them out, try them out, reject them to get to the good ones. So I will, you know, like the summer piece, you know, I'll just play over and over again for an hour in different ways in as many different ways as I can think of until I'm like, this is my favourite. And I usually have my phone on the side of the piano just recording as a voice note. That's if I'm recording, if I'm writing on the acoustic piano. Um, if I'm using the keyboard, then I'll probably have a Logic project open and just recording, you know, everything so I can listen back to it. Um, I might find that, like, the first bit of something from 45 minutes in and the last bit of something from 15 minutes in are the bits that I want to put together. How interesting. So it sounds like there's a, an editorial process as part of it. What I try and do is go for the ideas, very creative, like musical brainstorm. Yeah. Everything I can think of that might end up being part of this piece of music. Um, and I'll just record and record and record, play and play and play mm -hmm. um, until it's starting to go in a direction that I like. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a note of the, where I am, like how long I've been recording for or where to come back to. And it might be like, you know, 35 minutes in, I'll be like, okay, I'll come back to that mm -hmm. and try and develop it. And then if I've got somewhere, I'm like, okay, that sounds like that could be something. Then I'll start recording again, but start from what I was happy with at the end, see where that goes. Right, okay. Yeah, and then I'll do that a few times over like a couple of hours and then I'll listen back to it sometimes the next day I'll listen back and go oh actually no that thing at 35 minutes that I thought was really going somewhere I don't like that at all yeah <laughs> or it sounds like this tune that's in the charts that I just heard on the radio or you know it doesn't sound original or something like that so I might reject it entirely sometimes there will be um phrases or, or sections I guess where I think this will be one section and this will be another section where I'll end up going, actually, these are two completely different pieces of music. Um, I'll work on them separately. And other times it can be the other way around. 
you know i might have a phrase on or a section where i'm like this doesn't seem to be working but actually if i take these five chords from the end and these ones from over here a few few minutes or hours ago put them together that could work so there's a very much like a, a brainstorming process of let's just have fun get as many ideas out as possible hmm. um play as long as you can till you're bored <laughs> and then come back to it and look at what you've got and look at what you've got to play with and almost like look at the palette you've given yourself to paint with hmm. um and then you know I'll, I'll, I'll usually have a bit of time and probably a sleep between the first and second process when i'll go back to it listen to everything then that's more the editing sort of head yeah you know where i'm picking and choosing bits that i like building on those really interesting you mentioned going and having a sleep um listening to early ideas with fresh ears is very important i've even found um that sometimes going back to things months or even years later i'm sort of ready to choose where i want to take something where whereas i wasn't at the time so interesting isn't it readiness is everything Let's talk about our collaboration. Yes. Jay's gone away and written a piece of music, and we're going to play it for you now. As I listened to that, the first time I heard it, I thought, yes, that is very summery. And part of me was thinking, because it's an electric piano and because of those beautiful major 13th voicings. But there's some really interesting changes as well as you're pushing sidesteps um, as you're moving yeah. down. So there's unexpected things and you're pushing rhythmic spacing as well. So what was going on as you were developing this with the word summer? Well, I thought about summer and what it means to me. And obviously for me, it's very much looking forward to the good weather, you know, meeting up with friends and usually traveling. There's no um, European tours this year. You know, things are a bit different, but there is a lot to look forward to still. So I wanted to have that sort of optimism in there, but also rhythmically, I wanted to, um, I wanted to kind of let the listener know that it's, um, it's not all as planned and anything could happen. So there's a couple of little rhythmic surprises. And I guess it was, it's really hard to explain, but it's just um, sort of harmonically, I wanted it to be rich and colorful, but I didn't want it to be too, too funky. I wanted mm. it to be a little bit funky, but not too funky because, you know, we are cautiously entering into what will almost be a normal summer. So I didn't want it to be like, yes, it's summer. Yeah, this is what happens every year. I definitely think you've you've captured that really, really well. And the the way the the, the sequence you created goes round a few times, and and each time you decorate it slightly differently. And that again felt felt for me for me a little bit like the gearing up towards you know the the restrictions being eased for then to then not be. You know what I mean? That just felt really um, appropriate. Yeah. So w what I did with your pieces, I, I 
used that as my A section and I stuck a tune over it, started to add canter melodies. Then I wrote a B section um, and then I wrote a C section. And then um, when I came to do the final arrangement, I decided to use one of my C section as the intro. So it starts off with a sort of piece by me that moves then into the electric piano. So let's hear that beginning. In fact, let's hear the whole piece. So this is Summer by Jay Fashol Luke and me, Andrew Fisher. Well, there you go. Jay, what's your first impression? I really like what you did with the arrangement. I thought the um, the soft drumming and the strings in particular um, and having them in octaves, I felt that really gave it the lift and the colour that it that it needed. 
What were your first impressions of um, my initial sketch when I sent it over and and what was your sort of decision-making process to add the musical elements that you did? So when I first heard it, I was initially just blown away, as I always am, by your touch. I think that there's a way you phrased that was just really, really nice. And I got the first half of it down in my head straight away. And then there was the bit where you did the sidestep and I was like, what's going on there? I didn't say it quite so politely. And then I tried to sit down with it. And then I had to write you a note that saying, what's going on in bar five? Where's that effect? And then you wrote, you wrote it on a napkin and took a photo and sent it to me. So um, unusually this arrangement was me looking at a napkin, which felt very, very authentic and old school. <laughs> yeah. So for me, the, the critical thing was, was always about form. So, so much about composition is about form and figuring out what the formal shape of it's going to be. Mm. Because it's repeated four times, it felt like a whole complete unit. Mm. And I thought, this is very satisfying as a piece of musical syntax, but I don't want to go back to it. I want to move on to something else. So, then, so if we call this A, there needs to be a B and the B needs to modulate and, and bring in a, a different theme. And so I, the first thing I really did was write the B and then made a decision, where am I at after the B? And that became like a C. Yeah, I, I really like the extra sections. They both quite complemented what I'd started with really nicely. And then I started to work out what instruments I was going to add. For example, which type of bass I was going to use. I initially went for Fender. And then when we broke out into the B section, I thought, let's go to an acoustic bass. Mm. Then when we came to the arrangement, I was, was writing a tune against yours. So I was trying to work in a complementary way to, to what was there. Then when we came to sort of voice it with strings, I, I spent quite a lot of time really looking at your napkin saying, okay, if this is a B11 chord, should that be a C sharp or an A? And just trying to work out where the voicings are. So one of the things I should say is the um, drumming was actually done by a drummer, James Ashdown. So I should give him a shout out. Um, I called in a favor and he turned it around ridiculously quickly. And then only once that was down, was it glued together enough for me to start doing the other arrangements. It was nice to hear these other elements come in and give it extra texture. Um, and I really like the sound of it. The intro, I really loved. Thank you. Um, just as a piece on its own. And I actually felt it reminded me of Autumn. <laughs> so um, it was interesting. Like my first impression, yeah, my first impression listening back to it was... This this sounds to me like autumn. How interesting! It's a little bit it's a little bit softer, more contemplative. It's kind of like it sounds like it's had quite a lot of fun, and it's just starting to chill out. And I I, I really like that, and I found I thought it was quite funny that, that then led into the the sort of summer part. How do you find this sort of thing where you're coming in as a composer, you're coming in as a pianist, and then you're working, at, you're working with another composer and pianist. We haven't been in the same room, really. We've done all of this remotely. And, and for me, I'd, I was very keen to be able to talk with you and sit with you at a piano and say, I'm thinking this, what do you think? And to have your input. I, I found it really interesting, actually, because uh, as I was saying before about my process is to sort of get as many ideas out as possible and then extract the ones I like and then work on them over time. I've almost never really written uh, composed music to a deadline um, since <laughs> since university. <laughs> so um, it's uh, it's been really interesting 
sort of taking really what was kind of the beginning stage of, hmm. of going, this is my favorite idea out of the hours of nonsense. This is what I really like. And this is what hmm. I feel represents what we're trying to do um, in a very kind of almost very pure form where I hadn't even written a melody or an intro or anything, you know, anything. I hadn't developed it and then giving it to another composer to develop. It's actually quite an exciting way to work. Um, the collaborations I've done in the past, especially recently, the remote collaborations while I've been um, while I've been at home, uh, have been mainly singers. So I've kind of got used to the idea and the process of working remotely and sending ideas over and back and forth. And I, re I really enjoy it. But it's the first time I've sent something to another collaborator that's so so close to its genesis if if uh, that makes sense hmm. i'm used to having developed things a lot more before someone else gets involved so um it's been yeah it's been really good to sort of see where an idea could go from that early on um hmm. bringing another mind in you know and Absolutely. uh yeah and that, that's definitely something that i want to do again and do more of yeah Jay, thank you so much for your amazing contribution to this. It's been wonderful to work and talk with you, um, and there's loads to ponder. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. I uh, really enjoyed it. It's been great working together. I hope we can do it again soon. Me too. Great stuff. Thanks a lot. See you soon. Thank you. Bye. Edit that one out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> do we, sorry, I'm, I'm, bad, I'm bad at spontaneous. This is where it's just... It's so well right up to the very end. The last, the last, the last two lines of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining me over by the piano in the Two Rivers Cafe, and thanks again to Jay Fashol Luke for his time, talent, and relentless good humour. If you ever get a chance to see Jay play live, I urge you to grab it as he is wonderful. You can find out more about Jay's career by following the links in the description of this episode. And this is where you'll also find out more about my life as a composer. Plus, you can see the famous napkin Jay sent me of his chord changes. This episode of the Two Rivers Cafe was produced remotely, as always, by the fabulous Rupert and Jim of Driver 8. If you enjoyed it, you can help us out greatly by subscribing and asking your friends to do likewise. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.